All right, our scripture this morning is from the book of Genesis, chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Awesome. Well, good morning and welcome to Current. Guys, it is really indeed God's blessing uh, in getting us set up at the Computer History Museum. It is such a big step in the life of the church. Uh, one of our uh, longtime uh, facilities team lead uh, was walking through that space and was just like, David, this is like better in every way than every other spot we've been in, which we're so grateful for. Because just to say what's kind of obvious, facilities don't grow on trees here in the Silicon Valley let alone for churches. And so we are, we are so thankful leading into this. Would you please be praying for the church uh, as we make the transition? Even good changes can be, you know, hard and all that sort of thing, or at least things to work through. And then would you also be praying that the Lord would use this move for his work that he has prepared for us, that we'd be watching for that, looking, eyes uh, open so that we can join him in that work. Let me pray for us uh, toward that end. And then as we get into uh, today's scripture. Father, thank you so much for the provision of this space that we're getting ready to move into. Lord, in the life of this church, we have, we have seen you now do several times uh, move mountains. I mean, each, each time we've had to make a move, it's been an opportunity for faith. <laughs> but even, even more so, an, uh, an opportunity to see you do incredible things. So we are, we are very grateful. Thank you for the team, uh, Cindy in particular, Greg, others who've worked tirelessly to get us into this space. Uh, Father, thank you for the teams that are already starting to put their minds to this to get us prepared. Uh, Father, would you please go before us in all of it, that we would uh, be about uh, what you have for us there, that you would use it for much, much gospel fruit. And then, Father, as we get into your word today, as we look at this call of Abraham and, and through him to us, would you, would you give us ears to hear, minds and hearts that are open to receive what it is you have for us today? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, we, we are hardwired to live with purpose. We're hardwired to live for things greater and beyond ourselves. In fact, psychologists have known this about us for, for a long time, that those of us who are living for the here and now, those of us who primarily live for self, uh, tend to get into trouble or, or have trouble in life. And, and by the way, that's in times in general, but, but also especially in times that are, that are, are challenging and, and are hard. And then the flip side of that is also true. We see that when people are living for things beyond them or, or, or greater than just themselves or what's here and, and, and now in front of them, that they are the ones who tend to thrive, uh, including in times that, that are hard and, and challenging. Well, we are, we are hard-lived, we are hardwired, excuse me, to live with, with purpose because the, the scriptures teach that's how God's made us to be. And so with this thought, as we continue our, our series, Knowing God, uh, we're going to focus in on the God who calls. 
God is the, the God who calls. He calls us. He's, he's the one who calls us, meaning he doesn't just remain neutral about our lives. He's the God that calls, meaning he invites us into things greater and, and above ourselves. And so to, to do this, we're going to be looking at a tremendously important text today. Uh, this is a text that even if you don't consider yourself very religious, uh, you probably want to be leaning in to understand this one a little bit more, because this is a text that has done nothing less than change the course of human history. This is the, the text that shows us God's call for Abraham, uh, the patriarch of the faith. Uh, that's somebody not, not only Jews and Christians uh, just see as just a kind of a big deal, but many, many, many others venerate and take seriously we see God's call for Abraham here, and through him, God's call for all of his people. Because the New Testament scriptures make it clear, because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross and, and by his resurrection, this call, all the way back in Genesis 12, now also applies to his church, God's church, and to all his people. Another way of thinking about this text is we see here what God calls us into and what he calls us to be. So in other words, he calls us what, what he calls us into an, on an initial basis, but then what he also calls us to be and be about, that is on an ongoing basis. We're going to be looking at three things today about God's call. We're going to be looking at, at, at its nature, we're going to be looking at its purpose, and its, and its power. So the nature of God's call, the purpose of God's call, and the power behind it. First, let's look at the nature of God's call. Uh, one of the things that's really striking to me about this very famous of text, Genesis 12, is how Abraham, this patriarch, patriarch of the faith, is introduced to us. Because you would think this Abraham, this patriarch of the faith, would get like this really big introduction. I mean, you know, other great figures of the faith in the scriptures, you know, I can think of Job, uh, uh, Noah, others like them are, are, we're told in their introduction, they are blameless and, and upright. You know, we're, we're given this, these kind of descriptors to say, hey, pay attention to these people, model after them, even as they're not perfect, but not so with Abraham. We're given nothing. In fact, if you have your Bibles, you can look back in Genesis 11, the chapter right before, and you'll find that Abraham is essentially introduced to us as an afterthought. We're told he was one of the three boys of Terah. I mean, if we didn't have any more scripture about Abraham, he would have been totally just a footnote. That's one thing that just strikes me, just how he's introduced. But he's also told to, uh, told, uh, told to us that he was from the land of the Ur of the Chaldeans. Again, if you look back on a few verses up before our text, he's from Ur of the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans were kind of the, the Babylonians in the day. Ur is, uh, was where uh, the southern portion of Iraq is today. It's a place that the, not only scriptures tell us, but other historical accounts tell us. It was a, it was a place of excessive pagan worship. And in fact, other uh, biblical writers, including Joshua in chapter 24, call out the fact that Abraham's family was not, in, not only in this pagan worshiping culture, but participated in it. Meaning, almost certainly, Abraham himself was an idol worshiper. I mean, is this the picture that you have of Abraham, patriarch of the faith? I mean, I grew up reading this account many times, but it never dawned to me that this patriarch of the faith, this one we just highly esteem, look to as a model, all that sort of stuff. This is his story. I mean, his introduction is basically saying he had nothing going for himself. And what's more, spiritually speaking, if anything, he was headed in the wrong direction. Uh, look at verse 1 
It says, the Lord had said to Abram. By the way, it says Abram, same guy, Abraham. I'm going to say that multiple times. God would change his name later. Same guy. The Lord had said to Abram, go to your country, your people, and your father's household. The Lord had said, not the Lord said, which is significant. Because what we see here, and then other texts also help us know, this wasn't the first time Abraham was called by God. And this is the famous Genesis 12 account. We're looking at it today. But just so you know, this is actually probably the second time Abraham received essentially the same exact call. We know from other contexts that he was called originally back in Ur. But by this point, again, if you look at Genesis 11, he's in a place called Haran, which is, which is towards the northern point of the Fertile Crescent. Uh, the land of Canaan is just a little ways away, hundreds of miles still away from that. In other words, Abraham had started out following God on this call the same call that we have today, and just stopped. Now, we can conjecture and, and may, think about why that's the case, but regardless of the reason, Abraham had started out following God and decided, you know what, I'm good here. I'm not going to go any further. Is this all sinking in? This is Abraham, patriarch of the faith. Uh, I love this, that this is Abraham, because this is you and me. Okay? Here's what we see about the nature of God's call here, is it is God's initiative with us. The nature of God's call is he graciously takes the initiative with us. He pursues us, even when we don't deserve it. Abraham had nothing going for himself other than God decided to call him. If anything, he was headed in the wrong direction. And, yes, and yet God graciously pursued him. Uh, I'm so thankful that we have this picture of Abraham because, like I said, this is you and me. I'll just stick with myself. This is me. I just find myself so often in the place where I just, I don't deserve God's love or care. And yet he just extends, hey, you want to be a part of this? Hey, do you want to be a part of this again? Hey, hey do you want to, hey, David. God is, just graciously takes the initiative with us. I love how CT did an amazing job last week uh, pulling this out from 2 Kings 5 with the story of Naaman. This commander of the Syrian army, that is the enemies of God's people, God showed up and blessed him, took care of him, called him towards healing, transformation. And did so even in spite of this general's stubbornness and pride. Uh, I had, uh, I love the metaphor uh, that France, Francis Thompson, the English poet in the, in the 19th century, described God as the great hound of heaven. Have you ever heard that before? Such a wonderful metaphor. With, with this idea that we can run, but God will always outpace us. God's call is, it, it, the nature of God's call is he graciously pursues us. He takes the initiative with you and me. I had a buddy for a number of years, software engineer, a guy named Chris, uh, who, when he found out I was a Christian, uh, would say things like, hey, David, the Christian faith is not for me, okay? Just, I don't, I don't want to go there. And yet, it's funny, he would always go there. He would always bring up the Christian faith. And uh, no, I, I would rarely bring it up myself. He just would, would, would bring it up. Yeah, there was a time when his aunt was battling a serious illness. Uh, there was a time when uh, my, own, my own father-in-law was battling cancer. And each and every one of these times, uh, my buddy would bring up Christianity, and specifically Jesus with me, just to kind of work it through. Well, there was at one point uh, down the years into our, our relationship that he said, you know what? I realized something. Another conversation where he had brought up the Christian faith. He said, you know, I realized something. I realized that there's been so many things happening in my life, big and small, hard and, and kind of ho-hum, that I realized I had been for all this time trying to brush it off, brush all these things off as coincidental. And I realized now 
it seems to me they're less coincidental than they are purposeful. And then he quickly added, and if that's true, man, I don't deserve it. And I was like, that's, that's God's call. It might look and feel differently for each and every one of us. We're each unique, we're each personal. But it's always God's initiative, his gracious pursuit of you and me. He, he calls. He's the God who calls. I have the real privilege of being a pastor, of hearing a lot of people's stories. I love this. I get to know people's you know, stories. And you know, this last week, I'm doing uh, premarital uh, counseling for, for two couples and just get to hear folks' story, ask them how they came to know each other, but also their kind of their spiritual journey and just kind of get to hear. I love it. I'm just, I feel so honored and fortunate to be able to hear it. I've now had the privilege of hearing just probably hundreds of stories. And what's incredible to me is there's this, while they're each unique and personal to each one of us, there's this theme that just, just so beautifully just shines through each and every one of them. And that is that God is the one who takes the initiative. And we get to choose to respond if we would. He is the God who calls. The question is, are you listening? Are you listening for the caller's call? I wonder if any of you here today are like my buddy Chris, who for many years had thought, you know what, I'm not sure, I, this is all coincidence, I'm not sure, and then he finally realized, you know, in our words today, oh man, God's calling me, he's pursuing me. And if for those of you who are followers of Christ, maybe you've received that initial call, are you listening? And let me take it actually a step further, considering Abraham here. Are you wanting to listen to his call? Meaning, you are followers, and now you're like listening, okay, what might you be doing? What might you be calling me to in this life? I, I want to be listening, Lord. You know, I said earlier that Abraham didn't have a whole lot going for him. Well, the one thing he kind of sort of had going for him is he did have a willingness to be faithful. He had a willingness to say, you know what? I'm going to throw in with this caller. I can trust him. Now, did he do it perfectly? No. It'd be told at least twice. And you could look at the story going on ahead of Genesis 12, and you see that, yeah, he struggled with it. But he at least had a willingness to say, I want to listen, and I, I want to fall. It seems to me that many of, us who, many of us who are followers of God will not only not listen, but not want to listen for a slew of reasons. One of those reasons might be we like our own ways. And we don't want to hear if maybe God has other thoughts for us. Or maybe it could be that we're nervous that he might ask us into something or to a place that we're not sure we want to be about or to do or to go to. But what this fails to see is that God wants something for you and me far greater than we can even do for ourselves, whatever we can accomplish in this life. And while he certainly won't force you to follow him, the call remains. That's the nature of God's call. He graciously pursues you. He takes the initiative. Here's the purpose of God's call. Let's look at verses 1 through 4. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. All right, there's one word, of course, that is, uh, of course here that is unmistakably a point of emphasis, and that, uh, that is the word blessing. 
right? We see that repeated a number of times here in these few sentences. Uh, it's unfortunate that the, word, the English word for blessing uh, can be easily misunderstood. We use the word blessed to, or hashtag blessed, right? To, to connote this idea of inspiration, that I've been inspired in some way or another. But this ancient Hebrew word is incredibly rich. It means that God desires great and deep personal intimacy with us. That's, that's what blessing is. It's, it's, a, it's a personal intimacy, a connection to him, and it's connected to the, the Hebrew word shalom, which means peace. It's an all-encompassing blessing in him. There's this great priestly blessing that maybe some of you who've grown up in the church uh, have heard, or maybe if you've attended a wedding, you've heard me say it. Uh, it's the Lord bless you and keep you. It says a number of things. The Lord make his face shine upon you. I mean, that's kind of what is entailed with this, with this blessing that God was giving Abraham, and he wants to give to you and me. To receive God's blessing is to receive personal intimacy with God, something of greater worth than, than anything else. Do you remember if you were here a few weeks back, we looked at Genesis chapter 15, so kind of a little confusing, three chapters ahead of where we are today. We were looking at Abraham's story then. Fast forward a number of years, and he hasn't yet received any of these promises coming to fruition. Okay? He hasn't received this nation we'll talk about. He hasn't seen, received any offspring to kind of make that happen. He hasn't received any land. Years have passed. He hasn't gotten anything, any of this. And he's wondering, but God, why aren't you providing? You remember that a couple weeks ago? Talking about God, the provider. And God shows up, but does not first say, Abraham, don't worry. You're going to have a child. It's going to work out. I'm going to take you to that land. Be patient. It's coming. He doesn't say that. At least at first. He goes there. But what does he say at first? You remember when Abraham's wondering, but God, how are you going to provide? Where are you at? Why haven't you provided? God shows up and first says, oh, Abraham, I am your shield. I am your very great reward. You remember how we said it? We said, Abraham, greater than the provision, got the provider. Uh, the wonderful blessing that God wants to give us here through Abraham to his people today is this intimacy with God, a relationship with him that we just sung about last song. It's greater than anything else. God's going to say, hey, you're going to have a kingdom, you're going you're to have a nation, I'm going to make your name great, but what's encompassed in that word blessing is God wants more than anything else with Abraham and through him to us, a personal relationship with him. That's what Jesus talked about in his most famous sermon when he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger for righteousness, for theirs will be the kingdom of heaven. They're, they will be filled and so on. That's what this word blessing means. It means to have God. Now, he, he might bless and protect and take care of us in ways that in this life are nice and, and wonderful, but that's not ultimately the promise. The ultimate, pro, ultimate promise is we get him. We're blessed in, in this sense. But you know what? That doesn't even get at really where this is ultimately going. The purpose of this call is not just that. God didn't just want to bless Abraham, nor does he just want to bless you and me. Look again at verse 2. It says, I will make you a great nation, God said to Abraham. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. The purpose of God's call is he blesses us in order to bless. God blesses us in order to be a blessing to others. I think this is just so important for us to understand. Number one, as human beings, just in general. But secondly, if we're living in the Silicon Valley. 
because it seems to me this idea of we get stuff and it's, it's not meant for us, but it's actually ultimately meant to be through us, offered us, is foreign to where we live. It seems to me Silicon Valley is tip, tends to be about, hey, how do we get ours so we can cash out or whatever the case might be. But this is not the call of the follower of God. The call of the follower of God is, hey, I am going to bless you and you get to use that blessing for others. Uh, the, the scriptures essentially teach it this way. Here's a way you can think of this. Uh, we are not called to be owners. We are called to be stewards. The owner says, hey, this is mine. I got this. I'm going to use it how I'm going to use it. But the steward says, you know, really, anything and everything I have, I've only received. And it's something I get to use for the sake of loving and caring for others. We are blessed in order to be a blessing. Everything we get it just ought to be used and stewarded for others. That's why we call ourselves, in a way, current. There's a strong current here to live where we, we hoard, or we use for ourselves, or we, li- th- we live primarily for these things. But no, God blesses you and me in order to be a blessing. All right, what does this mean? Okay, we're talking about this kind of at, at this level. What does it mean to be a blessing? All right, we've established that the greatest blessing is not so much the material or, or the, the, you know, the, the prosperity of that sort of thing. The greatest blessing is having a relationship with God. Because, by the way, the person who was most blessed was the Son of God, wouldn't you say? And he didn't have all that much wealth to his name as he was walking around. He didn't have a nice home and all that sort of thing. He was blessed another way. What is the greatest way we can bless others? It's to offer the same greatest blessing, that is knowing God, to others. It is offering that same relationship that God has so blessed us with, making it known to others, sharing that love to others. And of course, this is what the New Testament over and over repeatedly emphasizes, that we're called to make God's love, especially through his son, known. Now, what does this mean? It means we ought to, as a church and as individuals, look to meet physical needs, tangible needs. We are called to do that. 100% in any number of ways, we're called to be good neighbors, meeting physical needs in our communities and beyond, to the extent we can. But it means we must also, and if anything, have a point of emphasis of meeting spiritual needs, especially the great, greatest spiritual need, that is pointing people to love of God through Christ. Let me ask you, are you living more like an owner right now or a steward? As you, as you think about that, would you, would you say you, you tend more to live as an owner or, or a steward? And if it's more like an owner, how could you live, how could you move in the direction of living more like a steward? It seems to me that we are often given these wonderful resources and material in which here in this place, in this time, we are more blessed in that sense than just about anywhere else in human history, human time. We use these things for the sake of helping, loving, and caring for others. If there's anything we're trying to be about as a church, it's this. And we know many of you are linking arms together as we try to do this in community, point people to the love of God, as we try to be, as Jesus put it, a light on a stand or a city on a hill. What might it look like for you to live more like a steward than than an owner? And then here's the other question related back to the first thought, the nature of God's call. Could you ask the Lord... Could you ask him how he might be calling you in this endeavor? Because that's the idea, as he calls us. You might find that the Lord quickly brings a person's name to mind, to your heart. That you could just look to be lovingly generous towards, caring for them. Whether that means materially, whether that means emotionally, whether that means, yeah, spiritually. 
whatever it means, it means to be, a, it means that we are blessed in order to be a blessing because God in this invites us to something infinitely greater than we could do on our own. These are the sorts of things, if true, and we believe them to be true, are the things we're going to be celebrating, not just for this lifetime, but into all of, of eternity. These are the things that will last. But here's what I want you to notice. We'll spend a few, few minutes on this. What this call requires, because you'll notice that God does his part. He blesses us, blesses us in order to be a blessing. But then he, he says, okay, Abraham, here's what I'm asking of you. He said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's house to the land, I will show you. God told Abraham essentially to leave three things. And as we look at these three things real quickly, put yourself in Abraham's shoes. Okay, remember, this is a long time ago in the ancient culture, okay? He called him to leave three things. Number one, he said, leave your country. <laughs> That's, that was God calling Abraham to willingly let go of economic and material security. Abraham was being asked to leave the civilized world for the uncivilized, just to set out into the wilderness, putting essentially at risk all that he knew, the social climbing adder, the corporate, I mean, I know we're talking in modern day terms, the ladders and just understanding how that worked, putting that all at risk, leaving physical and social safety. Second, he was called to leave his people. In other words, let go of his cultural security leaving what was familiar to him culturally to go into the unfamiliar, where he'd always be an outsider, never an insider, never comfortable. And number three, God called him to leave his father's household, that is, to let go of the personal and emotional security. Remember, this is traditional times, ancient times, where everybody's identity was not caught up in what I can do for myself, but in one's family. He was being asked to put aside where he got all of his identity, his self-worth, and significance from. And then on top of those three things, God said, I'm gonna, I want you to go to a land, quote, I will show you. How would you feel if God was just like, hey, I want you to go, and you're, and, 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 and you're like, where? And he's like, I'll tell you. I mean, could you imagine? And yet Abraham went. He did all of these things. He set out. Now, did he do it perfectly? No, by any measure. But he was willing to throw in and trust God, his caller, in spite of the uncertainties, in spite of the discomfort, in spite of the change, Abraham said, I'm in. He got to go on the ride of his life, such that we're still thinking about him today, talking about him today. I had a moment this last week in my study where I was thinking about these things, and I was just like, man, I'm so grateful to do this with you guys. Because I was, I was thinking about this call that God had for Abraham, and my heart just started to fill up with how so many of you have essentially followed the caller's call in your own way to be here or to remain here, to link arms together as a community, as a church, a body of Christ, to make his love known. I was just sitting there. I was thinking about it. I think, God, so many of you are willing to leave economic and material security. I mean, Silicon Valley is an expensive place. Now, I understand there's some, in certain industries, some salaries to help with that, but even still, some of you have purposefully delayed, if not indefinitely, owning a home to be here, to link arms, to serve. And I thank God that you followed the caller's call because current would not be current today, nor seeing the spiritual fruit, the kingdom fruit, if not for you and others like you making that choice. 
And I thank God that many of you have been willing to let go of cultural security. It's easy for me, having grown up in the Bay Area in Berkeley, to kind of take for granted this culture. For many of you, it's like, oh, I love this culture. For many of you, though, it's like, I hate this culture. It's not familiar to me. And it could be a hard culture to kind of, I just had a conversation this last week with somebody in my family who's never lived out here before. Um, and she was all, uh, can we meet in Southern California? I don't love Northern California. I was like, okay. <laughs> wow, okay. And we live in an interesting place. And for some of you, that might be really uncomfortable, let alone when you start to think about raising kids in that space, the value system, all that sort of stuff. But I thank God for you because you've made decisions for the sake of following the caller's call. You know, it's really funny when you think about, you know, God called Abraham and essentially us in different ways to leave your country, leave your people. I was thinking about this time I was in Houston, Texas, and I was flying back. I was heading to the airport to return the car. And you know how when you come into the, the airport and you're just kind of like trying to find where you need to go, they'll, they'll tell you like, all right, domestic flights and, you know, that sort of thing. So I was coming, I was driving in and it said, all right, this is Houston, Texas. It said, all domestic flights that way. All international and flights to California that way. I was like, I wanted to be able to take a picture of that because I'm like, that encompasses so much. That's such a meta thought. But for some of you, I'm like, that's, man, but you, the caller's call has brought you here. I thank, I thank God for you. And then you think about leaving your father's household, uh, household. I mean, this idea of being willing to let go of personal and emotional security. Again, just by nature, so many of you have had to make the decision, of, okay, we're going to be out here in spite of being far away from our parents who can't afford it or whatever the case might be. Uh, just having a moment where just, we, we thank God for you because we've been able to be on this journey together to make the love of Christ known in a place that's not known for being receptive towards it and seeing God do incredible things. And that's, that's only from what we can see, the vantage point from which we can see, all because you're willing to follow the caller's call. It's such, it's such a gift. And I can't help but think, by the way, I, I'm personally blessed by that. I can't help but think, most importantly of all, God is honored by that. He sees it. Look, I want to be clear. The point of this text, this is, this is a description of Abraham's call, right? It's not, it's not prescriptive. And by that, I mean, this is not a text teaching, you must therefore leave wherever you are physically and go somewhere else. It's not necessarily saying that. For some of you, that might be the case. There are plenty of people called in the scriptures who didn't actually physically go to another place, Right? But the point is, wherever you are, wherever I am, we are, called, we are blessed in order to be a blessing. That's, that's our call. And the promise is, though it may be scary, though it might not be the way we would have scripted it, we are in for the adventure of a lifetime because God calls us to do things far greater, infinitely greater than we could shoot for ourselves. It reminds me of Bilbo Baggins. It's been a little while since we talk about Lord of the Rings. Okay, so here we go. It reminds me of Bilbo Baggins. I love the story. Uh, at the beginning of the movie or book, uh, he, you know, he's, he's so happy with his hole in the wall, a hole in the ground of a, of a home, right? He's got his pipes, he's got his tea, he's got his ale, he's got, all, he's got a few neighbors he can be upset about. He's just, he's living the dream, the hobbit's dream. And along comes Gandalf, though, and says, hey, Bilbo, you gotta, you gotta come on this adventure. It's like, you're needed. Uh, it's gonna be crazy. I'm not, I'm not sure, I can't promise you you're gonna come back, actually. But you've got to go. Dwarves need you. And Bill essentially starts with saying, yeah, no, I'm okay. No, thank you. Things are good. Life's good for me. I don't want to. It's comfortable here. 
But eventually, you know the story, he, he reluctantly goes. And even as he's going, like he's literally like shutting the door to his house, walking down the street that's still connected to his house, already mumbling, like, why am I coming on this thing? And that's this story for so much of the part. And then, of course, when trouble hits, oh my goodness, he's like, he's really ticked off then. Why in the world did I let Gandalf convince me to come on this thing? Why, why am I here? But you also know the story that little after little, time after time, he is transformed. He becomes a different person. The adventure completely changes in ways that he just had no idea. And he eventually becomes the very hero that Gandalf said he was all along. And the movie in particular captures a really incredible scene at the end where it basically is like after all the journeys, all the ups and downs and all that sort of thing, like the company is there, the dwarves, all these princes and kings are around this still awkwardly looking hobbit. <laughs> He's still there in his, all his hobbitness, this funny guy. But the company of princes and kings, they look at him with now a sense of awe and respect and amazement of like, oh my goodness. And of course, Bilbo, for the end of that book and even into the Lord of the Rings and all the next trilogy, he is still exceedingly excited and wants to let everybody know that he got to be about those things. And in ways far greater than he could have ever dreamed or have fathomed, not only was he transformed, but he also transformed, got to be a part of the transforming of the life of those he came across. I think this is the call that God calls us into. He wants, he wants us to bring us into something just so much greater and above ourselves. But the question is, are, are, are we listening? Are we willing to fall, follow? It's a, it's a journey of a lifetime. And what's really fun is often he, does, he calls us to do this in, in community. But there are the nature of the call, the, the purpose of the call. Last, and we're going we're gonna to go through this real, real quick here. We're going to look at the, the power behind the call. Okay? And we see this uh, embedded in the words, I will, as, as God kind of emphasizes this point. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land I will show you. I will make your name, uh, make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Uh, God was making it unmistakably clear here that where he calls, he goes as well, and his power as well. Uh, Jesus made this point when he gave the church the Great Commission. I mean, the Great Commission is essentially a re recapitulation of the Genesis 12, blessed to be a blessing, call. Jesus said it this way. He came to his disciples and says, all, authorities in, in, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Notice it says go. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And here he says, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In other words, God doesn't just call us to go and leave us to it. No, God goes with us. And you know what's really amazing? And this text doesn't necessarily pull this out, but just a little sidebar thought. It's often when we go that we most often and most intimately experience God's closeness. Because we're pulled out of the comfort. We're pulled out from the different things into things. Yeah, it might be hard. Yeah, it might be uncomfortable, but they also bring us to the place where we can more rely and therefore also experience God's love and power working in us and through us. 
But what this text shows us when God says, I will do these things, is that the outcome is entirely out of our hands. And I don't know about you, that is wonderful news. The results, the success, quote unquote, is not on us. You know what's on us? Faithful willingness to follow. That's it. And God will do wonderful things to the tune even greater than what Abraham experienced in his lifetime. I mean, that's what Jesus said. There's the call. There's its nature. There's its purpose. There's its power. God invites you and me, like Abraham, into this journey of a lifetime to follow him and be about things far greater than ourselves. And the, the call itself is to be a blessing as he blesses us and, and, and to know that he will see it through. The questions are, are we listening and will we follow? Let's pray. Father, here we are. We want to be called. We freely admit and confess that we're nowhere near as good at following you as even Abraham, which as we dig into a little further, didn't look all that great, but that's the point. That's where your grace meets us to extend an invitation. And so, Father, if there's anybody here today and they're hearing your voice and maybe they've been brushing it aside, I pray that they would be able to receive you today. Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe it's putting their faith in you, receiving the greatest blessing of all, starting a new relationship with you. For those who have been following you, maybe, maybe they've known you've been calling them into or out of something. I pray that you would give them the courage and willingness to trust you there, that they might see on the other side how good you are. For those, of you, for, for, for those who are here, or maybe they've been struggling as they've been following you, Lord, would you meet them in that space with the same words in your own, own way with them? Dear son, dear daughter, I am your shield. I am your very great reward. Father, would you help us as a church follow you? Lord, if there's anything we want to be about, it's making the love of Christ known. That's the journey of a lifetime because that's the journey into eternity. And we thank you for this call. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.